it's crazy. I had a vegan breakfast for the first time this morning. I Ooh, was it good <laughs> for the first time for the first time. God, how old so are, are you from? I'm from Utah originally, uh, but uh, okay. I lived in Hollywood before Silver Lake. Okay, how long were you in Hollywood? Just like six months. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. I'm yeah, still. I mean, so Silver Lake is you're you're deep in it. Uh, <laughs> that's um, yeah, yeah. It was weird. I don't know. You could go over Echo Park or Atwater. That's like. Uh, that's all, as far as you can really go down the looking glass, but uh, <laughs> but Silver Lake is is it, it's really funny too. Um, the Silver Lake comic book shop. Have you gotten onto a Secret Headquarters yet? Yeah, yeah. I just actually that's where I bought uh, your comic from. Yeah, I mean it's a super cool shop, but they are as hipster comic book shop <laughs> yeah, as it comes. Yes, much. they are. It's it's kind of like it, it definitely doesn't stick out as a comic book store. You know what I mean? It, it looks yeah. as hipster as it could possibly be for a comic book store. Yeah, but it's very friendly for for image and stuff like that because they're definitely into uh, you know beyond uh, superhero genre. Yeah. They like uh, anything that's you know uh, different or interesting. So uh, so but that's a good shop. But yeah, uh, they're yeah. they're definitely the well, hipsters that- of comics. They like all that indie stuff and. Yeah. None of that yeah. big two nonsense. But it, it was weird, man. I like during breakfast, I'm like eating this. They have this bacon substitute. Rachel, do you know what it is? You're you're into all that vegan stuff. What's the thing that they always substitute vegan uh bacon for? Uh tofu? Tofurkey? Or is that is it that is it that is it that tempeh stuff? Yeah, the tempeh. Yeah, it could be that. Why do they yeah. call that bacon, dude? It's like a bunch of like soybeans crushed down into like a, a weird like soft strip of nothing like what it's it's delicious they dump that smoke flavor all over it yeah <laughs> it's and disgusting pepper. no it's delicious <laughs> they gotta they gotta accept that it's not bacon and stop trying to flavor it like bacon you know what i mean eh, i don't know i'm used to it that's i'm used to it so that's fair well yeah because you've been you've been vegan for what 18 90 72 years yep 72 going on 73 <laughs> now nice wow well, you know, you know what else is going on 73 years old? Uh, the Savage Land. I have to tell you about a character. Welcome back to the Savage Land. It's a uh, an extra special week. We've got a guest today, but first let's uh, introduce ourselves in the Savage Land. I am Jason. I am Rachel. I am Matt. And today our guest is somebody that uh, you may have heard with his uh, debut smash, splash, sunlight hit Eclipse uh, from Image Comics and Top Cow. Uh, It's a series that is uh, currently about, let's see, as you're listening to this, issue number five just barely came out and is in stores along with volume one, uh, the trade paperback. Uh, This series is by uh, artist Giovanni Timpano, uh, letterist, or sorry, colorist Chris Northrup. And the guest we have today, writer Zach Kaplan. Welcome to the show, Zach. Hi, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so first we wanted to kind of lead in, Zach. Obviously, uh, Eclipse, I think all three of us have have greatly enjoyed it, and it's been a joy to read. Uh, we thank had, you. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it, it was it was refreshing to see a sci-fi series that uh, wasn't the, the typical run-of-the-mill sort of story that uh, we're used to seeing. Um. But first, we, we had a couple of questions from some users on Reddit that we kind of wanted to lead into the uh, to the show here today. Um, yeah, let's do them. Let's do it. So the first one comes from uh, Hostine underscore Coyote on Reddit. 
Uh, and he or she says, I've picked up Eclipse since uh, issue number one, and I'm curious what your inspiration for the series was. Was it a bad sunburn, the movie Sunshine? What was it? Uh, the inspiration was I was actually uh, working a graveyard shift. So, uh, and uh, that was as a poker dealer. If anybody follows okay. me online, they might know I uh, am a big poker fan. I play a lot of poker. And I was dealing poker many years ago, and so I would uh, come back home at sunrise, and it would just, I'd be driving, um, leaving the casino and coming back home, and it would just be me and empty streets and the sun. And that was the inspiration, kind of, uh, when you would turn onto a street, and I would kind of feel like I was the only one out there and everyone else was indoors hiding. And, uh, what, what, uh, what would it be like if the world was like that or if the, if everyone was forced to hide from the sun and, and that was the kind of spitball of imagining a world where the sun was, was dangerous and that we all have to hide. And I was living nocturnally. I was sleeping during the day and working at night so uh i was not really being exposed to a lot of sunlight and and uh <laughs> um and i was also this is i i kind of didn't realize it until after the fact but if you've read eclipse there's kind of a theme and an element of disconnection and and what it means to kind of be disconnected from society and uh the protagonist encounters that and and i that was i guess something i was going through as i was you know, working that graveyard shift, I was passing everybody in the, um, you know, all my friends were waking up and I was going to sleep. So, um, but the inspiration was, uh, working a graveyard shift and coming home at sunrise. And if anybody has worked a graveyard shift or even just stayed out all night, uh, having a, a night of partying <laughs> and you stay out till dawn and you're out at dawn and you find some part of the city where it's just you and the city and dawn and, sunrise and no one else is out it's a surreal thing and uh that was the inspiration interesting so so you've you've written and i think you, you went to film school is that correct yeah i went to usc film school and uh studied screenwriting and uh came out and uh done some writing for film and tv mm -hmm. nothing that's been produced but uh i've been in hollywood a long time uh you know uh kicking around doing all sorts of that stuff that's awesome. So was was Eclipse uh, in, originally intended as a comic or was it kind of like a screen idea or just a general story idea that shaped into a comic? How did? Uh... Yeah, it was the, it was the, the latter. It was just it was a story idea and I had never really determined what medium it would be best in. And uh, for years, I had always kind of wanted to write a comic book. I mean, I grew up on them. And uh, um, so I just kind of thought, wait a minute, this idea I have this would really be awesome as a comic book because then you have an artist that's actually playing with light and you get to like draw it and have light on the page suddenly become dangerous. And that would be really fascinating to see. And so, uh, so it, it became a comic book pitch and then, and then it became a comic book. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Um, a lot of times when I come up with an idea, sometimes I guess it's focused on what medium it would be, but sometimes it's just an idea at first and I don't know where it will where it will take me yeah that's i i totally get it I'm, i've kind of been dabbling in in writing and it's kind of that thing where as it shapes you eventually figure out uh what you know like what what the story is going to be you sort of see it like either in panels or on screen or you know kind of in words right um now we have yeah so our, our second uh our second question from reddit comes from user i have no idea how to pronounce it but dge hen i think um 
And the question is uh, a two-parter. A, how does writing a script for a comic uh, compare and contrast to screenwriting? And B, uh, why did you publish Eclipse under uh, Top Cow? You know, what, uh, what brought you to the Top second one, The second one's easy. Let me answer the second question first. I published under Top Cow because Top Cow uh, went for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, breaking into comics is hard. Yes. And uh, I was pitching for uh, many years several different ideas. And um, – Eclipse was the first opportunity that I got that Top Cow uh, agreed. And, and there's a lot of things that go into it beyond, beyond even having, I think, a good story and, and good samples of your writing. Um, you know, you could very easily pitch something like Eclipse to a publisher mm-hmm. and they could say, it's great, but we already have a sci-fi thing that we feel is similar or we already have a post-apocalyptic thing or a, a I mean, I mean, Eclipse is very unique, which maybe helped me in some ways, but uh, I remember pitching robot ideas, and people would say, "We love that idea, but we already have a robot thing." So yeah. um, there's a lot that goes into it. That's uh, a tough thing. And you, so you yeah. pitched it to uh, to Matt Hawkins, is that correct? That's right. Yeah, he's the guy, and and uh, and he, you know, the, Top Cow is a great place because they're open to new talent, but at the same time, they have a, a tight slate, and they don't take on many <laughs> uh, new projects. And uh, that's true. I, you know. I think it, it it was a lucky break. It was a lot of uh, timing and opportunity, and um, he was willing to give it a chance. And uh, so the reason I published it with Top Cow is because they bought it. Um, <laughs> in terms of the difference between uh, comic book script and um, screenplay, uh, it's everything. I mean, it's a very different medium. Um, and I think you might hear some people say, oh, well, the, the formatting is different. I'm not... I'm not you can look online and get a sense of what the difference is in format. Yeah. But for me, what's more interesting is the difference in um, approach. Because when you're writing comic books, uh, well, I'll go backwards. When you're writing film and TV, it's all in time. I mean, one of the first yes. early things you learn is that a page represents a minute. But when you're writing a scene out, you're thinking about how long the scene will be unfolding on screen. Mm-hmm. That's totally different in comic books because – the reader is in control of time. The reader determines how fast or slow they read the page, how long they sit on a panel, how fast or slow they read, how yeah. much they absorb the details. It's a very um, user-controlled uh, medium. And so yeah. when you're writing for that, you really have to take that into consideration and pacing into consideration. And um, Always writing for those page turns. Yeah, you got to think about the, where the page is going to turn. You've got to think about. I, I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm learning the medium myself as much as I've been reading it since I was a kid. I'm. I mean, writing Eclipse and actually get into the nitty gritty of it. It's very fascinating. Like, do you tur- do you make something eight panels and then do you do you flip over and there's a splash page and it's just one panel? How mm-hmm. do you build up to a splash page or how do you how do you capture fast paced momentum and then slope? How do you like force a fast-paced momentum onto the reader um and then slow down and then speed up and uh yeah you know it's it's i don't it's a very it's very cool and very fascinating uh thing to to try to figure out i mean i'm still learning it um (laughs) but yeah it's uh i think that's to me the biggest difference because it's all story you know you all you have a hook you have characters they face conflict your you know dialogue your you're looking it's all the, the the none of that is any different i don't think but what's different is the fact that the comic book's being told in panels um so 
Yeah, I, yeah. it's really been a, a really cool thing to kind of delve into it and, and try it. And now I can't read comic books without noticing that stuff, you know. <laughs> and you read some of the you read some of the great the, the ones that are really killing it out there, and you know. I, I really have a whole new appreciation for the for some of these guys. Yeah. Just to, you you don't realize it until then you like when you study the panels and you study what they're doing you realize there's a lot of thought that's going into it. Um, oh yeah. So. Yeah. No. It's it's interesting. I like the I, the same kind of thing. I mean, as I as I was reading Eclipse or you know even like any comics, it's the more you learn about you know the sort of process of it, the more you're like kind of dissecting it and you read a brian k vaughn comic and notice all the the page turns that he writes in or a mark wade comic and notice all the force pacing that he does and the sort of manipulation of your eyes yeah it's totally uh, it's very interesting and a lot of it's i mean sometimes it's intentional and i guess sometimes it's happy accidents um for those who've who've already read eclipse uh in issue four there's a double page spread i won't spoil the story (laughs) but the spread starts the bottom left of the page and it goes up to the top right and vertical panels. And initially when I wrote the script, it was just panel by panel. I didn't describe that layout, but Giovanni is just a really good panelist and, and, and he, he's really good at layout. And he determined that this form, this form would be really, would accentuate the story because the character is kind of going from a low point to a, a high point. And so let's start him low. Let's build in this kind of, most stairway kind of uh, layout, and uh, it's one of my favorite layouts in in the volume one. So, um, but that was kind of a you know collaborative accident that he stumbled upon that, and that it, it worked so well. So um, yeah, some I, the artists and writers alike out there, you know, seeing that done is just really cool. Or there was a patron, uh, you know, a patron those videos where they like analyze. Um, have oh, you yeah. guys been turned on the, uh, the strip panel naked uh, Hassan Wee guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah. love those videos. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? And the, have you seen the Hawkeye one? Yes. He like spends forty five minutes talking about <laughs> one Hawkeye page. Yeah, you're just like your mind is mush at the end of it because you're just like, oh my god! Like he really breaks down how there are so many different layers of thought that I mean, whether they're there or not. I mean, this is. Uh, who knows if they intentionally did this or you sit the artist down and the artist would be like, I just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't figure out how to fit nine panels and that was the best way. I don't yeah. know. But like certainly works on on this great level. So I guess there's a, a difference between theory and execution, but it's it, it's really fascinating. I, I So, yeah, that's that's always my biggest. Yeah, I was just saying, like that's always my biggest thought watching those videos is like how much of this were they actually intending and how much of this is like just you know sort of a happy accident. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it, and it's just like movies and and TV too. For every for every movie scene that we can find where we go, this is genius filmmaking. You could find a director that said, oh, we just had like three minutes left and we just shoved the camera there <laughs> and that was uh, that was all we could literally do to get the scene captured. And you go, oh well. Uh, oh, okay. I thought it was intentional that you did it that way because it's beautiful or it's so clever. But um, so I don't know what's intentional or not. But regardless, it makes me as an aspiring, you know, uh, I I would I am studying it to try to understand it better and and be better at it. Um, and that's the biggest difference for me, I think, between writing screenplays and comic books is the 
the paneling and the layouts, the pacing of it all. Yeah. So, so what, what uh, panels, uh, I guess, as you're going through, as you're starting to write your comic, as you've got this great idea, what, what were your inspirations that, that sort of, um, that, like the standouts that you were like, I want to, this is, you know, this is above and beyond what I've seen before. And this is what I want to push for. In terms of uh, uh, other comic books and, and yeah, other comics. Yeah, or, or I mean, whatever, but other comics and specific. Yeah, I mean, like um, Greg Rucka comes to mind. He's he's got a really, really unique style of being able to go back and forth between hard boiled moments that are kind of like he lets it breathe, but then he suddenly finds his way to action, and he knows how to pace the action too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, trying to think of who else. I mean, I find myself in love with some guys that just are not similar to Eclipse in any way. You know, like I'm a huge fan of Remender. He's just uh, he really in, is very interesting in terms of his pacing. And, um, you you just you just said the line that made uh, Matt probably uh, fall in love or <laughs> find a kindred spirit with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just I got mean, a I big love, smile. I, I yeah. love to read everything Remender, but but it's also a very different style for Eclipse from Eclipse because Remender is so it's so pulpy and like he has this great way of like finding fun and excitement in this like fast, but you'll open a book and you'll like suddenly be immediately swept into something that like you turn 10 pages without even realizing it because the action and, and is also thrilling. But then at the same time, you are also reading this voiceover. And by the end of the sequence, you're like, wow, I'm really in this character's head and I really understand their voice and, and, and their emotions but man, if I wasn't uh, drawn into that alien chariot chase, you know, and you're just like, holy <laughs> yeah. cow, that was that was like fish aliens and chased by dinosaurs on chariots and really trippy stuff, but uh, cool as hell and and well paced. So, but Eclipse is very different than that. Eclipse is of course. definitely more like slow paced and, and slow boiled, but not to the same extent. I mean, there's some guys out there that are even slower that take their time even more like uh brewbaker's even more s- slow in terms <laughs> of his like pacing. I mean, I love it too. Like I've really been enjoying killer be killed because it's so organic, the pacing it's so it you it's you're, you're so naturally with the, the character, but um, yeah. that's different. So, um, yeah, I think Rocka's right in the middle for me. I'm trying to think of who else is uh oh, well, Kirkman. You know, I um I looked at a lot of Walking Dead to be honest with you. Sure. Um it's kind of I I kind of was hoping to emulate a little bit of that style. Mm-hmm. Um So, you yeah. mentioned that you were like a that you were a comic book reader from a pretty young age. Were there any sort of uh like, do you do you remember what the earliest comics you read were, or what the comics were that kind of got you hooked as a reader? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I remember as a kid just reading like Wolverines and X Men's and maybe some Spider Mans. I don't think I got into some of the darker stuff like Batman. I think I was into kind of the um, the lighter stuff uh, um, a little bit more. And I never went too deep into the superheroes. I was pretty commercial as a as a, a younger comic book fan, and then I went off to college and I kind of didn't pay a lot of attention to comic books. And then kind of when I got out of college and I came out here uh, to LA, I found them again. And um, it was really, I remember it was Warren Ellis that kind of uh, first, I kind of 
it was like, whoa, a comic book is more than superhero stuff. And this is, what is this? This is, this is fascinating. I mean, it wasn't just transmetropolitan. I mean, I remember just seeing stuff like ocean, Mm. you know, or uh, ministry of space and just being like, whoa, that's, this is really cool. And then I, Greg Rucka, Queen and Country, Brian K. Vaughn and Why the Last Man. Um, and that was kind of when I realized, you know, that I'd like to be writing comic books because I never thought about it as a kid. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I never really had any aspirations of writing superheroes, although I would certainly love to try it someday. But mm-hmm. um I really loved the the creator own stuff that I that I saw, you know, where they were building their own worlds and and posing their own what ifs and and it, it seemed like it could be the kind of thing that I'd see in the theater or see in in TV, which is now the case. I mean, I I think that that's the awesome thing about comics, right? It's like oh yeah, comic book can come out and you could see it on t- the same idea on TV. It's um it's awesome. So yeah, but so- Warren Ellis was definitely the he was a he was a, a gateway uh, drug for me in terms of comic. <laughs> did you ever uh, did you ever spend time on that old uh, message board they used to have that apparently like half the creators in comics came from? <laughs> no, I wish I, w- I was just a reader. I was just a uh, you know back when I was getting into it back then. I was just kind of a reader, and I, I started to inhale it more, and I had aspirations of it, but I I didn't really understand what was going on, and so I was I was too much on the periphery it wasn't until about god like more like eight years ago that i kind of uh tried to get into it and and started to to soak up more of the creative world but i know i never saw that message board or anything like that it always it's one of those things that comes up and it feels it feels like it comes up in like half of the uh creator interviews that i listen to and it's like one, like i kind of wish that i had just had a time machine so i could go back and see like you know young uh, I don't know, Matt Fraction and all these like, yeah. you know, big names, Brian K. Vaughn, people like that now that were like on this Warren Ellis <laughs> message board so many years ago. Um, Where, when, when, uh, yeah, there's no equivalent now, huh? There really isn't. I've been trying to find one as I'm like, you know, cause I'm writing comic scripts and stuff like that. And it's always nice to like get other people who understand the medium to kind of, you know, read and give feedback, things like that. And like, it doesn't feel like there is one now. No, I mean, I guess it's, the, it's Twitter is what it is. And everyone just kind of, um, you know, is, is talking on there. But you have to kind of know where to look. Uh, certainly not a message board. I mean, yeah. that would be awesome. Someone, totally. someone should definitely start a, a message board for, for creators where they uh, all share their thoughts on works in progress. That would be Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. If any comic creator is listening or anybody, anybody that knows uh, web design or whatever, take take that note, please. Uh-huh. Right. If it's not if it's not done in the in the next five years, uh, when I'm a, a bigger fish, I'll give it a try. There we go, dude. Perfect. Um, so where where did you grow up? Because you said you you've been in LA up, for like 17 years, right? Yeah, I grew up first in the Midwest, cornfields and all. I was in the Iowa Quad Cities. So okay. uh, doing that in the 80s was very like Spielbergian, because uh, <laughs> like. It was like, yeah, cornfields and, and it was like E.T. I felt like was my childhood. And then I but when I was 10, I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, which is uh, North Florida. And it's it's deep in the the Baptist Bible Belt. I mean, it's very um, southern and uh, it's beautiful and the people are super nice. But I was a, a Jewish uh, kid from the Midwest 
and I actually found it surprisingly difficult to uh, connect growing up. So, mm. and then I was also into all this nerdy stuff that nowadays <laughs> is super cool. Yeah. But back then, nobody was doing, and I'm like, like I was a huge video gamer. I mean, I just was uh, watching Star Trek uh, and and all sorts of uh, sci-fi stuff and. Um, uh, nobody was into any of that stuff. And now I feel like I would be the, the coolest kid. We, I, I, I've told this story not on podcast, but um, we had a computer lab that got a network. Uh, we were, it was like the first thing. And so me and like three or four of the friends used to go play like Doom uh, or Descent on the, on the network. And like this was the first opportunity to play video games against another person where you blow them up. And we were like having the time of our lives on that. But no one else in the entire school was in on it. And I feel like nowadays, if we did that, we would have like <laughs> 50 to 100 people in at lunchtime, like all wanting to take a turn to do Halo or whatever the, uh, you know, the the Overwatch. I mean, the, you'd have 100 people wanting to play Overwatch on the, on the network. Oh, yeah. Uh, there or something. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I grew up in, in Jacksonville, Florida, and then I came uh, – Came out here. I did college in D.C. at GW in, okay. in our nation's capital, and then uh, and then I came out uh, to L.A. and was around here for a while. And then I went back to film school at USC, and uh, yeah, been out here for 17 years. So, what made you decide to do uh, film school and kind of to pursue writing as a career? I always loved writing. Uh, I mean, I I grew up writing, and I've always been interested in telling stories. I never knew. I mean when you're in middle school or high school, I don't know, maybe nowadays kids go right into thinking about that. But the first <laughs> thing I was drawn to was like acting, you know, you just do plays or stuff, or I'd get a video camera and me and my friends would like make movies on our video camera. Um, and then I went to college and I um, realized acting wasn't for me. And uh, I switched more into like thinking about directing and writing. But by the time I got out to LA, it was exclusively I wanted just to write. And um, yeah, I've always just, I've always loved it. And then I, I applied to film school, to be honest, on a whim. And, uh, wow. you know, I got into USC film school. That's, I was like... Let's let's stop just to appreciate that moment really quick. You applied to film school on a whim and got into USC film school, which is like one of the most coveted film schools in the country. Yeah. That's, that's no small well, feat. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go and I felt like, it's so rare. It's, I mean, it, it's like applying to Harvard. It, and yeah. so I figured, well, I'll just apply. I applied to like USC and UCLA and NYU. And I was like, I'll just apply. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get in, then I don't have a decision to make, right? Yeah. So easy enough, right? <laughs> I'm out $40 application fee for each one. Easy enough. Yeah. And I got into USC and I was floored. And I'm like, all right, I. I can't say no to this. I mean, how do how you know? So that was it. So I went to USC. Wow, uh, <laughs> that's unreal, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never. No, I mean, I've never heard somebody put it that way. Of oh yeah, I applied on a whim and then got into USC. That's nuts. I yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. I mean, I I had some great teachers. I I I definitely became a better writer and. Uh, but then you then you come back out and you're back out in the big sea of uh, of uh, aspiring and uh, there's a lot of people always are so you like been writing film and TV and there's just a lot of you know 
uh, intermediary steps out here. I mean, I've been yeah. represented, I've had pitches, I've sold things, I've had things in development, uh, packaging things, and it, it just, you know, not had anything go. It's just a whole lot of, you know, that you'll see a movie come out and you'll see that it took like 10 years to make. Yeah. And Hollywood is just super slow with stuff. It just takes forever. It's one of those so, things um, where people, people regard a lot of things as an overnight success. And it is always like the, it always happens over the course of like a decade where, you know, an overnight totally. success is built up in this uh, weird sort of process. Totally. Well, I've even, I, I mean, yeah, yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you, did you have like any sort of uh, favorite films or like, you know, directors, writers uh, that inspired you uh, film wise that have really informed a lot of your uh, writing? I mean, I have two different kind of, uh, engines. I mean, one, I really did love 80s s- stuff, yeah. 80s, um, a- 80s sci-fi fantasy, Goonies, uh, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, E.T., um, you know, Close Encounters, all that kind of stuff. I mean, anything that was anything that was about capturing the imagination and making you wonder about what it something, you know, that could like, well, what if that happened? I was really into that kind of stuff. I think as I've gotten older, it's um, as much as I like the lighter fare, I like things that are, um, you know, I found Blade Runner and, and really connected to that in more in my adulthood and other things like that. I mean, uh, the list is, is long, but um, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I like, but I, I just like anything that captures I like world building. I like things that, that invent a new world that take you somewhere that you really um, you feel like you're going into a world that that makes you think that feels just one step away from ours. And I like um, I like characters that really are um, facing tough dilemmas that are a real struggle. Um, those are the, those are kind of stories. But there's so much great sci-fi out there, especially nowadays. I'm um, you know, I'm having a, um, a hard time thinking of stuff I like now. But I mean, yeah, growing <laughs> up, it was it was Spielberg a lot of a lot of ways. It was Goonies. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, it wasn't just a story about four kids that go looking for lost treasure. It was going on in those tunnels underground. It was just so cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, all that kind of stuff really got me growing up. And then. Um, and then I kind of found the other stuff. I'm trying to think what other than like Blade Runner is. I mean, like, you know, 2001, of you course. know, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so, there's so much. I'd have to go look at my like DVD shelf <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, of course, that one. And of course, that one. Yeah. Of course, that one. But I yeah. saw I saw uh, somewhere in the back matter of Eclipse that uh, the story was kind of compared to like a, a John Carpenter movie uh, meets something else. And it, it was actually like when I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, that that fits pretty well. Like it, it kind of does seem like something that you could have, uh, you know, like that, that John Carpenter, that you could have that sort of John Carpenter directorial flavor on, uh, that would fit really well. Well, yeah, he was definitely very good at like sci-fi and suspense and marrying the two. It's interesting because Eclipse does have a kind of horror undertone because, you know, people are burning alive and the sun's the monster. But, um, but, um, I never, I never would, I never thought of it as like pure horror, but yeah, there's definitely an undertone of that. And, and I, and definitely 
John Carpenter is someone who who plays with the kind of suspense of the scare as opposed to the you know the, the suspense of what's out there. So yeah, yeah, I could definitely hear uh, John Carpenter's soundtrack uh, watching <laughs> totally. the adaptation of Eclipse. Yes. <laughs> yes. Are there are there any uh, hopes or or sort of uh, plans to adapt Eclipse into a different medium at some point? Um, I would love it. Uh, yeah, I think it would be super awesome. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> That's good. You're, I mean, you're in a good place in terms of Image Comics. They've got a pretty good track record for uh, yeah. people, people poking around for adaptations. Yeah, um, uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I think it would make. I think it would make a great TV show. I would love to see Eclipse as a TV show. It's a, it's uh, it's got such a, a great world. I would much rather see it uh, TV than than filmed. Because, uh, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I'd take. I, I would. Uh, that would be awesome. I think it would be really cool. So how long are you uh, planning on taking Eclipse? If you know, if you have your way, obviously, uh, how how long would you would you take Eclipse series wise? I mean, as as long as people are interested in reading it, as long as it <laughs> continues to be something that people are responding to and people are uh, excited about, uh, we're excited to keep doing it. Um, I think that the second arc stays with uh, Bax and Cielo mm-hmm. and. Um, there's there and 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 it kind of branches out a little bit in terms of the world, but not much. We're staying in 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 the New York City area, um, and I think that you know uh, if I if, you know the next arc, it would definitely be uh, um, the same area, and I want would like to bring everything to a head with them. Um, but I don't know. I mean, as I I could definitely see it going um, uh, a lot of different ways. So it, it's just kind of a question of. It's a very tricky question. It's kind of like um, I've learned now that I'm deep into the second arc. It's like asking uh, somebody like uh, how many seasons they want to do of, uh, you know, of Stranger Things or something like that. You yeah. know, I mean, it's um, I, I would like to keep it going. I'm not done with it. Of course. But it's it's hard for me to it's hard for me to to foresee what place I'll be in, um, you know, arcs away. And I mean, I'm already realizing how how uh what a great opportunity i have to even just do a second arc because so many yeah. series come out i mean I, i'm a new writer you know what i mean yeah. so you know uh, a guy like brubaker or some you know remender he can come out with a series and he can say i'm going to go 20 deep and he totally intends to and a lot of the guys that are publishing under image have already got their track records and they've already got a fan base so yeah. they can plan to go 15 20 30 deep they can just say i'm gonna go until till i can't go anymore but uh i'm i'm just starting out and so it's a very different uh thing for me and um uh so i'm very happy we initially started with just four issues that was what we were given and we had we had hopes that we'd get more Mm -hmm. and then the first issue did really well and they gave us the green light to do more so now we're doing uh the second arc uh things are looking promising for a third arc but i'm trying not to get ahead of myself too much <laughs> trying to be yeah. realistic just kind of say okay um and we'll just take it arc by arc and, and as long as people are digging it mm-hmm. uh, we'll keep doing it so when you pitched it to to matt hawkins uh were you did you pitch it as a four issue miniseries or did you kind of say it could be an ongoing but here's you know the four issues that we have i pitched it as a miniseries okay um and I 
took the gamble of uh, leaving a couple things unresolved, <laughs> so that it wasn't all resolved. It, and um, and then you know I, I had an opportunity to kind of go back in as one was hitting and tweak four a little more so that even more was unresolved. And uh, yeah, I mean, we had hoped, I'd hoped that we'd get to do more. I'd hoped that it would catch and we'd, mm-hmm. we'd do more. But basically, if you've read the first volume, it stands alone on its own. And it's enough that you kind of go, okay, that's that story. Yeah. Um, we're also left kind of knowing that there's a lot of secrets and stuff underneath that of this city that you could spend you know, several arcs going into. And that was kind of the intention to say, look, there's not only is the world interesting and could be explored in a number of regards, the world of the sun burning people alive and society trying to adapt to that. But there's also this situation where companies seem to have taken over the city and how have they done that and what's going on? And the people who are in control seem to have some secrets. And where did these... um, where did this killer come from and how, how is he able to do what he does? There's all these mysteries there. And so, um, I left a lot of those mysteries unresolved and you get a little bit, but you don't get a lot. And, uh, I, that's kind of the tease of where it could go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I would like to take my time with that if I get the opportunity to, um, we do, we, we resolve some of the mysteries in the second arc, but by no means, is it all tied neatly into a bow, a bow at the end of the second arc? There's definitely, um, and I also tried to do something in the second arc since by the time this comes out, five will be in stores, which yeah. is just to, to, um, spend a little more time with, with the characters and, and kind of have them. I mean, the first, the first arc is definitely driven by this murder mystery, uh, killer storyline. And, uh, so once I, you know, got into the second arc, there was an opportunity to, to spend a little more time with the characters. So, um, I enjoyed that. Um, so, but so were there, I mean, it is yeah. is like just listening to that. It is kind of one of those things that I've realized, uh, while hearing you talk about it, that we've lamented about a ton on the show is like the, the best thing that we love in science fiction is when it gives you a very different world from your own, but doesn't just like, unload all of the mysteries of it right off the bat where it just kind of lets you ask those questions as it goes on so that's something that i'm sure we all probably enjoyed i don't know matt and rachel is that uh something that stood out to you yes definitely Uh, i think that was one of my favorite things honestly is you don't really know what's going on and i like the slow pacing of that and things slowly being revealed so i think that was my favorite part of the storytelling thanks yeah i mean i think um, I like it when that happens. I like, I feel like if you introduce a mystery or a, a secret in the right way that readers will talk or viewers will tolerate it for a while. I mean, we've become very conditioned by a lot of the shows and media out there, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I watch a lot of the stuff, you know, I watch Westworld or, um, a lot of these things where they introduce a secret and you're, you're with that, that content that series for episodes waiting when are we gonna find out but yeah. we, we're happy to do it we're happy to stay with it if it's done well so um yeah i think i was kind of hoping i'm glad it's nice to hear that it was uh it it was people responded to it uh thank you yeah um it's uh yeah, I, don't, I don't i don't 
Go ahead. It's hard because you have you have this finite amount of time, but I'd much rather introduce a, a well-crafted mystery and and then just take my time. And if I don't, if I run out of, <laughs> if Eclipse had ended at, at issue four and that had been the end of it, then then so be it. But uh, yeah, you just uh, kind of have that gamble. Yeah, you'd have that yeah. un, unused story document that you just kept, you know, right. sort of locked away forever. Totally. Um, so were there, were there any lessons that you learned, uh, from pitching this series that you're, you know, kind of using going into, uh, the rest of, uh, your, you know, writing career or, uh, oh, you know, man, pitching? I've learned so much on this one. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> let's start I mean, seriously. It's my, it's my first series. I've learned so much on it. Yeah. Um, well let's, so let's, let's start with, uh, just the pitching process and the process of getting it made. And then we, let's kind of move into, uh, you know, yeah. crafting arc one and going into arc two. Yeah. I think pitching, um, first off, I actually submitted a large pitch document and, uh, I've learned my lesson. I mean, I, I'm equally amazed and thankful that, um, uh, Matt was, willing to to go deep and deep enough into it to to take it all i guess he 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 was into the idea but um that's awesome yeah you have to i think my advice nowadays to people is um you have to be able to submit a paragraph yeah. you know like i if if i was pitching to somebody and and uh i mean it would be a paragraph it would it would maybe two paragraphs so here's the idea yeah. And do you like this idea and are you interested in hearing more? And if they're interested in hearing more, then I would submit a two-page document that outlines every the way the whole series would unfold. And also that two-page document would include my reasons for telling it, um, why I think it will be uh, commercial and succeed, what my overall theme is and how it correlates to the character's journey. Uh, I would all have that tightly knit into two pages as possible because I don't want to ask the publisher to have to read a lot. Yeah. And uh, and then at the end of that email, I would say, if you want more, I happen to have an issue by issue breakdown. So I know exactly where it's going. I can provide the first 10 pages of the script. I can, you know, I, I have all I have the the the. 10 to 20 pages waiting or whatever it is, but, yeah. but I'm not going to submit that. No, I don't, I would just be submitting a paragraph, a paragraph or two paragraphs. Here's the idea. What if the world, what if the sun changed and people couldn't go outside the, the sun would burn you alive and mm-hmm. we focus on a, a single city and, uh, it's a little dystopian and, uh, there's this ordinary guy and he's a, a maintenance man. He's working a day shift. Everyone's working a night shift. And then there's a killer going around killing people with sunlight. There's a girl, the guy's got to come on board and save her. It's a sci-fi murder mystery film noir wrapped in a post-apocalyptic landscape. And it's going to be very Blade Runner meets whatever John Carpenter and, <laughs> and what do you think? I mean, that's, I mean, this is all me off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah. that's, that's it. And then if they, if they're not interested in it, they don't need to read it anymore. Of it course. has to be that, that succinct and tight. I think the other thing too, is so many pitches or ideas don't know where they're going to end. Yeah. So I don't think you need that in the, in the, in the first submission, those two paragraphs don't have to have the ending. But that next document, that one page or that two page, mm-hmm. you should know how the whole thing ends. And uh, um, I th- yeah, 
That's that's like what? great advice for me because I I recently had uh, an experience pitching to Matt Hawkins where I like the first pitch it was like character descriptions and a full script for issue one and like all this stuff and and uh, you yeah. know he was very nice and encouraging but looking back I'm like Duh, yeah that was that was a lot of unloading yeah it, yeah you, you, it, it's it's really got to be like a whole conversation that you got to think of it kind of like uh like hey jason are you interested in seeing that new movie arrival and you go arrival i've not heard anything about it what's it about <laughs> oh it's like this it's first contact but amy adams is a language expert and she's got to figure out how to communicate with the aliens before human beings become dumb and stupid and, and instigate war with aliens and destroy the planet yeah uh oh that sounds to tell me more oh well there's this emotional heartfelt story underneath it because you see amy adams and dot 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 yeah, so yeah. i mean it, it it's really about and so when you contact a publisher you should not think of it as a submission you should think of it as a conversation of course that's the best advice i could give you and and the more you think about it as a conversation the also the more you'll realize that if you actually are able to engage with a publisher and they actually respond, you've just opened up an entire pipeline for pitches down the road. So yeah. if, in, if you say it's, a, it, it's this first contact thing and, and you only provide a paragraph and right off the bat they go, oh, we don't want to do any alien stuff. Perfect. Great. Yeah. You're now having a conversation with that person. Hit yeah. them up a month later, two months later and say, hey, you said you weren't interested in any alien, alien stuff. How about something underwater like the abyss but not aliens? There's something like, are yeah. you interested in that? So a paragraph and they go, oh. That sounds interesting. Like you, that's the that's the great thing about it, Matt Hawkins. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is crazy busy, and he's writing like uh, twenty projects at, at one time. <laughs> yeah, and he's running and he's running Top Cow, but somehow he he is very receptive. You know, if yeah. you hit the guy up, he's a very receptive guy. Yeah, and apparently um, it was crazy because like I I didn't even expect him to read uh, the script that I had sent in. You know what I mean? Like I and then he he actually you know gate like. Gave me a little feedback and invited more pitches. I was super surprised by that. So he, he seems like a great guy that's from great. when I met him. Yeah, that's great. Um, um, so then uh, for for moving on to lessons that you learned while you were working on uh, working on the actual series once it had been picked up, uh, you know, what were some of the lessons that you learned there that are kind of helping you and informing you moving on into Arc 2 and obviously the other things that you're working on? Um. Let's, I mean, gosh, where to start? I, I mean, I, the other thing I think the other thing I think is really helpful is you pitch miniseries. Don't don't like Eclipse was lucky, and it's kind of a fluke thing that it got the chance to continue, and that I got to open it up. But I almost would have rather planned it so that I had four issues, and then I had another four issues waiting in case it got it got ahead and that I knew or that I had four issues and then I had eight issues on the back and waiting in case. But the fact that like I, I it, it's unfolding in this pace, it's, it's a, it's a, it's challenging to kind of go season by season. And, you know, I know the ending, but I don't know how much time I have to fill it all in. I think the more you can go in with the, the idea and you can say to the publisher, look, I have a four or five issue story. Here's what it is. Here's how it ends. It's contained. If it's super hot and successful, here's another way to do another four or five on, uh, after that. And then and then move on. And actually, the other thing is a lot of new writers don't realize this. As fun as it is to just have a series go on and on and on, mm-hmm. it's actually not as good. Um, there's something 
to be said for doing a lot of projects. It shows that you have range. It shows that you're not a one-hit wonder. It shows that you can do this over and over again. So actually the best thing for starting writers is to do four to eight issue miniseries and then do another four to eight issue miniseries and then do another four to eight issue and keep doing those. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's far better. Um, so I, you know, that was all lesson in terms of the type of projects to take on. Once you get in, one thing I've been trying with some of the projects I'm, uh, that are, um, in the works now that I don't have anything announced, but, um, you know, I've got some <laughs> other projects I'm working on and, and yeah. I've been trying to actually map out, um, so with Eclipse, I had an outline that I was working off of and I had kind of, a. um, I knew like what was going to happen in each each issue. I had like a page or two devoted to what happened in each issue. I'm actually trying to think even more about page by page to actually have a page outline for all of it. Me personally, I just would rather, rather because, because then I would come to the situation where I go, Oh man, I really, I'm planning out this emotional moment, but I really wish I'd known. I thought about what this moment was going to be. So I could have set it up in a different way earlier on. And so uh, it, it's just the power of outlining and the power of taking your time to plan out story. You can't really know that when you sell in a pitch, of course, this is more about once you get greenlit and you have the opportunity to do it. Um, it's dangerous to go issue by issue because if you plan, if you go, okay, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write issue one because I have a loose outline for, for two through four, you might get to three and go, Oh, darn it, I had this great opportunity to do something so cool, but one's done. I don't have the chance to go back. So yeah. the more you think about it all as a, a cohesive piece, uh, the better. Um, obviously, laying out the layouts has uh, been a huge learning experience. I actually started with my scripts uh, for Eclipse. They were very specific in terms of of the layouts and the more and more i've gotten into it it's become far more collaborative with giovanni i yeah. i i don't write marvel style at all but i write um kind of giving I mean, him like the beats uh, and the dialogue but without like the panel breakdowns and stuff or what i'll write panel breakdowns but i will write lots of like page seven five to six panels and then okay. i'll write and then i'll write panel two or this could be multiple small panels if you prefer. Yeah. And then panel six, I'll say, or this could go to the top of the next page if you think it's better to end with panel five. You mm-hmm. know, so there's lots of like, uh, it's a choose your own adventure for him in the <laughs> sense that I want. I'm telling him the loose way I see it breaking down into panels, but I, 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 I don't want to restrict him to feel like he has to do what I want. I want him to feel like he could try something. I want to be open to, 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 to seeing him turn in something and say, I thought about doing this and I can go, Oh, thank God. He felt the creative freedom to try it that way. Cause this is awesome. Yeah. So, and he is, um, I, you know, we, we haven't uh, had the chance to talk about him too much, but I do want to say really quick, like Giovanni is a fantastic artist and this is actually the first time I've ever seen his work, but like he, He's really been uh, been killing it on this series. Yeah, yeah, and he actually, as good as he is in Volume One, he gets better. Oh yeah, because uh, I mean, uh, yeah, just wait. It's it's funny too because you know, here I am a film guy, so I'm writing like we open on Times Square and uh, there's hundreds of people and we're seeing 
you know, converted buses and we're seeing billboards, <laughs> we're seeing all this stuff. I mean, like, I'm just littering it with world detail, right? Oh, yeah. And he, you know, I didn't know him. He was an artist. He, we got, we, we teamed up. He could have very easily been like, look, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is too much for one page. Okay. That's like, tell me what's important. I feel like yeah. the Times Square tons of people is like, I, I feel like I've seen that in like a comics writing book of like, you know, uh, artists are going to hate you if you do this or whatever. So I'm sure totally. it was like, totally. But, but here's the beautiful thing. He loves it. That's so cool. He loves it. And so he, he, he poured his heart and soul into it. So if you have issue one or volume one, open up the first page. It's just crazy detailed yeah. Times Square. And in the back matter, we show the pencils and the, and the inks. It's so detailed. And so what it's, what, what's ironic is then people responded to the detail. They love like this Jeff Darrow precision. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm writing five through eight and I'm putting in super detailed crowd scenes, world scenes. And I'm like, here you go, Gio, here's your two page splash. <laughs> uh page uh, uh panel of like this all this to draw uh enjoy and he loves it you that's know? so he's, cool he's yeah so um his instagram is a joy to watch artist. too yeah he's, he's always putting he's those process stuff artist. yeah um, um so i mean we are you know we're kind of uh running you know short on time here um so i do really quick just want to tell the listeners uh you know, issue five just barely came out yesterday, so you should still be able to find it in comic stores. You'll want to go and grab it quick, though, because in my experience, these issues are gone pretty fast the further this series has gone. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, volume one, the trade paperback, if you need to catch up, is out in comic book stores, Barnes & Noble, all of that. It's 10 bucks, just like every image first trade, uh, so it's not going to set you back much at all to uh, check out an amazing series from a new creative team. Um Zach, so you you're going into issue five now. The second arc is uh, is just getting started here. Um, obviously, we had a lot of stuff that we uh, you know talked about covering beforehand that we didn't get the chance to cover. So we'd love to have you back on. You know, maybe after uh, the second arc wraps up or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Man. Uh, so we'll we'll loop back around then. But uh, you know, before we go here, you know, plug your stuff. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you. And if there's anything you know that you want to tell to our listeners, uh, feel free. The floor is yours. Uh. Yeah, I mean, you, you covered it. I'm online. I love talking with people. I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all Zach Caps, Z A C K K A P S. And uh, yeah, um, awesome. issue five comes out uh, March fifteenth, uh, or or did come out, it, or it just came out. And yeah, um, yeah uh, that's awesome. it. Yeah, and pre order, like you said. Yes, uh, I'm actually. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if issue five sells out within a few days because, um, yeah, it's just it, what's happened. A lot yeah. This book. It happened with yeah. issue four, man. I, so I actually, I got issues one through three and then wasn't able to make it into the store on time to get issue four. So I, I ended up buying the trade paperback. So I was like, damn it, I gotta, I gotta know what happens in this story. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I can attest to There's the fact. Like- that's, yeah, uh, there's a still... disconnect, I think, between the fact that I am a new writer under Image. I think a lot of writers that are publishing under Image are uh, established enough already yeah. that they uh, have followings. And so the stores know their names instantly yep. and order a lot more of them. The stores are still trying me out. And so they're ordering some, but people like the idea. They like the book. So it just whatever's on the shelf just goes. And uh and then there's no chance to 
get more because the way comics work is they they basically print however many the stores are going to order plus a small margin up. So um, that's why you see all the second printings uh, through image. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a whole, I mean, that's a whole nother world that I had no concept of the way orders work and printing and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but that's, I guess, another time I'll, I'll <laughs> talk about the ins and outs of, of, of that. Yeah, no, we've, I mean, we, we've got plenty more ground that we can cover next time. Uh, but thank you for coming on. It's, it's been a blast to talk to you and, and it's kind of, you know, a, a new thing for us that we're starting, starting to move into, uh, these sort of creator interviews. Um, you know, we've got Jim Zub and Jeremy Hahn coming on in, in some later weeks. Um, but it, it was, awesome. I, I thought glitter bomb was fantastic. So, uh, oh, yeah. um, yeah, that'll be a fun one. So yeah, we we appreciate you coming on, and and again, you're you're totally welcome back anytime. Uh, let's plan on getting you on after uh, arc two wraps up, and we can kind of you know dive more into depth on maybe some of the the spoilery things, since obviously it'll be a lot yeah. more uh, a lot more established and and known uh, in the readership by then with two arcs deep. But uh, thanks for coming on today, and it's been a, a great time, Zach. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thanks. All right, bye bye. Bye. And that was Zach Kaplan, writer of Eclipse. Uh, and we just wanted to take some time here. Uh, you know, we had a little little extra time on uh, our last 15 minutes here to kind of work with. So we figured, since we had all, you know, read Eclipse uh, fairly recently, we figured we might as well have a, a mini discussion about it. So welcome back into the Savage Land. What's up, guys? Hey. Hello. Uh, so Eclipse, Eclipse Volume 1, what would you guys think of it? Um, I liked it. Uh, <laughs> it was good, and that that no. gives a classic Matt answer. Um, no, I I did. I thought it was really good. I I, I really liked the uh, a um, uh, Giovanni's art really does just kill it. It's so good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of what I was I was like reading it, and I noticed like with certain scenes, you'll see uh, it's it's got there's a lot of like influence from from other artists that you can see like there's a lot of kind of frank quietly in it and so it's sort of really small lines but then at the same time like i don't know he does something completely new with it especially his work with like lighting and all that but yeah i don't know it's 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 it was really interesting uh as far as like you know story-wise what uh what were some things that stood out to you or was there anything that kind of gripped you or caught your attention more than other stuff like Uh, i think the whole murder mystery thing and again, with the art, the very last page of the first issue, when you see the the man that doesn't burn, mm-hmm. I absolutely love that page. Yeah, and right cool in the panel. corner in the glass, you can see the reflection of the two other characters, which I didn't catch until I went back. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I just, just stared at it. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I absolutely loved it. And my other favorite scene is the church. Oh yeah. Where all the bodies are in the church. Yeah, because that, so cool. that was so unexpected. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what I like. I think that's what I like about the story too. Is it's he he he's, he says here's this here's this here's this landscape I want. It's this crazy world. The sun burns everybody. Uh, it's on the ground, and then spends a, a a solid chunk of time just really playing with how that world would function. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. I thought that's such an interesting way to 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 spend time in your story uh instead of just spending time solely on like like this character or this one concept instead he kind of it's 
it's it's spread out a little bit more about and it's a little, just in it in in it and it ends up making it more balanced and i i really like that yeah i uh i actually the you know like some of the other questions that i sort of had uh written down that i wanted to ask about and one of them was like what you know research did you do and like you know how did you prepare to write this type of world and and all that stuff cuz it's it's very apparent when you look at it that so much thought went into it i mean you can see on the the external shots of the city you can see that like the ground floors are just covered with like ac units and all this like really sort of in the weeds type stuff that uh you might not necessarily think about at the top but like all these buildings are just totally different than what they would look like today and absolutely the whole, the whole world yeah. itself and so it's like there, there are so many things about this book that i i'm excited to to you know kind of ask him about as the uh the next arc wraps up um but yeah i mean it, it's the mystery you know like all of that stuff uh in terms of execution i mean was it keeping you you know was it was it a page turner for you was it one of those where you kind of had to you know put it down after an issue and and sort of you know go back and and take it at a slower pace what was it like for you reading uh, I think it was it was really fast for me because the way he ends each issue was a oh shit yeah so that that kept me reading and I I blew through it pretty quickly because I needed to know what <laughs> happened but yeah that's one of my favorite things about it and I I know he mentioned that he wasn't really into more darker comics mm-hmm. and he didn't really mention a lot of horror film interests, but he came up with a sci-fi horror comic. Yeah. Which yeah. I find very interesting. It's really cool when somebody like kind of comes up with an idea that's outside of their usual sort of like wheelhouse or interests. And I think oftentimes they can play with it a little better because they don't hold uh, a lot of those things either as sacred or, you know, they don't have as many, uh, I guess, biases from it. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I, and I think that's another element that I really liked about this book was, I think a lot of people when they when they come up with these like like post apocalyptic stories or or rather worlds that they build on, they they tend to go for big picture stories. They give for like, oh, there's a zombie apocalypse. Well, what caused the zombie apocalypse? How do we stop the zombie apocalypse? You know, like this big thing. Yeah. And in this this story is yes, you have that this, this big post apocalyptic world, and it's an interesting world, but you're focusing on something that's you know, something easily relatable and more, you know, for lack of a better term, day to day, which is just a, a, a murder mystery. Um, and I really like that. I really like let's 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 take a story that's 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 you know, sort of a, you know, something that happens, you know, unfortunately, in the in the real world and just put it into this larger concept. And then we can really play with those ideas and really play with the concept, play with. How t- okay, so now we have this murder mystery. How do we make this murder mystery function in this this crazy fucked up new world that we all that that humanity now finds themselves in? Yeah, uh, and I really that that in and of itself is appealing to me. Instead of going because then it's this, it's this the story's not how do we fix the sun? It's you know, like, how do we <laughs> yeah how, how do we solve this murder? Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not sunshine, but in reverse, it's yeah. it's a very different yeah. sort of thing. And, and I and I like that too because it yeah it's not how do we fix this problem it's how do we live through this yeah. exactly how do we live knowing that this problem exists type thing right and that it's and that doing something about that is not part of the story I think that's really cool too yeah I uh I liked also the 
because it's it's sort of a new thing that at least I haven't seen before where in this series, you know, light is used as a weapon and sunshine is used as a weapon. Uh and there's so many like very interesting things that they do with that. I mean, one of the scenes which uh next time he's on we're going to do a, a kind of a scene breakdown with him. Um there's the scene at the end of the first issue when the this truck full of, you know, glass kind of pulls around the corner and just shines, you know, reflects all this sunlight into this dark little alley where people are hiding out. Like, it's yeah. so creative. No, I thought I, yeah. that that was this. The two things that stood out for me was one, and we touched on it during the interview, was the uh, was the Times Square scene. Uh, just that was like, what a what a great way to introduce this world by having it's just such a weird. Because I was like, oh, it's Times Square, and then I you sort of like start looking deeper into the the image, and you're like, well, wait a minute. This is different. This isn't look what like I don't recognize any of this stuff. Yeah, it's got like all uh, these like weird sort of like uh, football like, stadium like ad- lights in there, and well, and like advertisements for vitamin D and yeah, yeah, scent, scent. Yeah, like that was I thought that was really cool. And then the second one was uh, when that truck pulled up with the mirrors on it, and I was like, oh, okay, that's really cool. Like, let's you know, yeah, you got this. You got some bad guy out there, and he's using he's. <laughs> He's he's just rigging up complicated mirror contraptions as a weapon and like, damn, that's brutal. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, what a horrible way yeah. to die <laughs> is another thing that I realized reading this comic is I never want to burn alive. <laughs> it's so yeah. horrible. You're like reading this like, damn, this. I hope this isn't how I go. <laughs> I Yeah, I really hope it isn't. I, uh... I, so I loved the the first issue cover uh, where they have kind of you know the um, they have backs sort of like standing against the sunlight uh, and then like a you know like a burned up hand kind of reaching up. I loved that that cover for the first issue, but then I feel like the uh, the cover on the trade is even better in a way. You know, just like this very simple, bright, you know, like shining sun over like a you know like crashed airplane and like a just wrecked new york city with this astronaut looking guy standing there uh yeah the covers i I love it yeah the covers in the entire series i feel like they they really did a good job and i'm a sucker i mean mean, i'm saying man giovanni timpano's artwork and this whole series is is something else he's so good oh yeah his like in Uh, in that issue four cover if you flip it's like right on the back page of the trade um oh yeah 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 that is incredible and it, I mean, every page, that's the thing is like some people, they do covers and like the covers are astonishing, but then you look at their interior artwork and it's kind of like, you know, lazy and you can see that they sort of mailed it in a bit, but you don't get that at all with him. Like there's so much detail in every panel. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that. Like very dense line work. It's yeah. So cool. If you haven't already, uh, people listening and you too as well, obviously, uh, search for G- Giovanni Timpano on Instagram. He is constantly putting up uh, videos of him like inking his work and laying out his pages and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, he's good. He's a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It, it's a really good series. I'm actually I'm really excited that I guess for us recording right now, we still have to wait another three days before uh, before issue five is out. But I'm really excited to to pick it up and and keep reading uh, this series. Um, yeah, issue four. Issue four. The last panel in issue four. Not a spoiler. It's just t- two guys in these suits overlooking a city, and it's just like, how exciting is that? How exciting is now? You've got this this open world of possibilities with these for these characters. Yes. Uh, 
so yeah, I'm excited too. I, I I look forward to see where he goes with it. I also yeah, I here. without spoiling anything, I did really enjoy the way that this series was or that this arc was wrapped up because I feel like I feel like in other hands uh, that you know the sort of climax of this series would have been used to extend into more series mm-hmm. or you know into more issues or whatever. But it was it was wrapped up in a way that uh, that I really liked. Yeah, agreed. It was just kind of like a, a I don't know, it was it was surprising. Um but yeah, and and also just I do want to mention uh and this is something that if they keep doing, I will be uh I will be overly pleased with. Like this trade paperback has so much back matter. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's Oh, I I I loved going through and looking at all the the uh how they did the coloring. Yes. Uh, yeah. That right. that was too cool. And yeah, they take the line. All the, they take all the lines out of it too, so you would just see the 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 coloring layer. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's like there's annotations from from every creator. The you know Zach, the uh, Giovanni, the artist, uh, Chris Northrup, the colorist, and then also their their letterer. Like they literally went through every stage of the creation process and like detailed everything about it, and then even like. I don't know, it's it's worth the price of admission alone just to like get a peek at how a series like this comes together uh let alone the fact that it's a really cool story but I mean it's legitimately like 20 issues or 20 pages of back matter in this thing. Yeah, it's, it's very crazy. Cool. Um well, I mean should we uh should we give it a rating and and uh send it off into uh into the stratosphere and let the let the good people go on with their days? Let's do it. All right, I'm going to give it uh 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 let's see, 8 out of 10 burnt up fingers in the sun. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't have any clever ratings. I don't either. <laughs> I really had to stretch for mine. <laughs> I'm like uh, I, it's it's hard to try and figure out how to how to make a funny rating every week. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I'd give it the same eight out of ten. I thought it was quite good, and I and I and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll give it the same rating, actually, <laughs> and I do I do plan to continue reading it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I I'm 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 very much so enjoying it. All of our listeners should. And uh, by the way, if like if you are wanting to read this series, uh, and Zach mentioned it, make sure you do pre-order because like especially for a series like this from a completely you know sort of like Giovanni's done a few things before, but uh, this creative team is pretty new, and, and obviously this is Zach's first published work. Uh, nothing helps them continue to do it more than getting pre-orders and those single-issue sales, because that's kind of the bottom line that goes into a publisher determining on whether or not to continue a series or to you know to let it end. Uh, and so, if you want to see more of this world, definitely pre-order it from your from your comic book stores. Um, just to, you know, kind of to show the support because they, as Zach was saying, they have kind of, you know, under ordered the series a little bit, which is why it keeps selling out so fast uh, because they don't necessarily know, you know, like he's he's a he's a new name and stuff. So they don't have much of an establishment to go off of. And so they just don't order maybe as many as uh, they probably should, because there's people like me that still will go in, you know, just a couple days later and not have any to buy. So make sure you're pre-ordering uh you know or at least talking to your retailer about it whether you're pre-ordering the trade or the issues um those pre-orders really help so just uh just a quick note there uh yeah and and we want to give a big thank you again to zach for coming on our show and 
giving us quite a solid interview. That guy is chock full of information, and that's yeah, really, that's really that's really fun too. Oh, absolutely. Listen, listen to the back behind the scenes and hear the process, and yeah, yeah I, I I really uh, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, he was very candid with everything. I, I definitely appreciated how uh, willing to just sort of talk and go into depth on things uh, that he was. And again, there's there's so much more that we can you know sort of ask him or, or talk to him about. And I'm sure there will be uh, infinite amounts more after reading that second uh, trade paperback. And obviously, you know, he said that he's uh, working on some other series that haven't been announced yet. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see what else comes out of out of Zach Kaplan uh, after this. Uh, uh, and, yeah, uh, and uh, you can find us uh, Facebook Savage Land Podcast, Instagram Savage Land Podcast, Twitter Savage Land Pod. You can call us on our phone, but nobody does. So I don't know. Whatever. Please, I mean, still, <laughs> if if we want to get that hotline moving, it's four one three Savage four. Uh, you can also find the the direct number in the show notes, along with our email address us at savagelandpodcast.com. dot com. And the big um, one is uh, ratings on iTunes. Come on, guys. Yes, please. Give us a rating. Yes, just, please. I mean, literally, just like it doesn't matter what it is. I don't. I mean, it. I mean, maybe not another one star. Uh, <laughs> but if you really hate it, give us a one star and some constructive criticism instead of saying I don't like the sound of someone's voice. That's not constructive okay. criticism. I can understand it. My voice. <laughs> my voice sucks. It was only. Well, your voice is. But the point is, yeah. Hit us. Uh, yeah. Show some love. Yeah, no. Throw give us. Uh, uh, we're 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 uh, we're uh, we're fast tracking to some some pretty exciting content. So yeah, and and with uh, that being said, we do have uh, Jeremy Hahn and Jim Zub confirmed uh, to come on our show in the next uh, few weeks. So if you have any questions for either of those two creators, uh, please send us an email uh, to us at savagelandpodcast.com. Or obviously, you can yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Here's a, a teaser. Jeremy Hahn wrote The Beauty. I just finished volume one and two of The Beauty. Hot damn, it's good. So <laughs> go uh, go get go get your hands on that and check it out because yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be – that should be a fun interview. And Jim's uh, – yeah, like Jeremy Hahn uh, is really exciting because he's also a pretty new creator. Jim Zub is somebody who I can almost guarantee you you've read something by him because his body of work is – goddamn legendary like he's he's got tons of stuff he he wrote the samurai jack continuation uh you know he's writing skull kickers and uh glitter bomb that zach mentioned um you know like thunderbolts there's you go you go on his website which is actually a really good resource for creators but um you can go on his website see all the stuff that he wrote either jeremy Hahn or jim zub if you have any questions for them uh send them to us at savagelandpodcast.com uh we'll also post on reddit stuff like that like we did for this episode but uh, yeah, it was a fun time. So, and let us know if you like these uh, these creator interviews. We're kind of hoping to be able to do uh, you know at least one or two of them every month uh, and and see how it goes, sort of test the waters. So, um, feel free. And if there's anyone that you want us to get on the show, uh, reach out to them on Twitter. Tell them tell them you want them to come on our show. That would be very helpful. Um, yeah, and if you want to come on our show and uh, you've got a really funny story about a, like a traumatic childhood accident, just hit us up. Maybe you'll get on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pitch it to us yeah. on our Pitch it to us. voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and for those webcomic fans out there, I forgot to mention, uh, we also have uh, Meg Siv, who writes daughter writes and illustrates Daughter of the Lilies, which is a very popular and amazing uh, webcomic that's out there. Uh, she'll be coming on the show, I believe, after both of, the, both of them. I can't remember where we scheduled everything, but um, she'll be on the show, too. So if you have any questions for her or if you want to check out Daughter of the Lilies, you can find it just by Googling it. It's a pretty awesome webcomic. Um, but yeah, so 
that's all the things, I believe. Is there any other business to attend to? I think we've cleaned house. <laughs> all right. Next week, uh, we'll probably talk about Kong Skull Island and maybe Superior Foes or something like that. I don't know. We'll find out. Both. Uh, but we'll definitely talk about Kong Skull Island because I'm bursting at the seams. <laughs> all right. Until next week, it's been The Savage Land. Cheers. Cheers.